Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi villains and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast and we come to you again with another review review show should I say from the Newcastle game which happened um, only you know, a matter of hours ago I suppose at this stage and I'm joined again by Paddy Kelly from the Munster Lions Supporters Club and we're going to get into a pretty sharpish here Paddy what was your views on that game um, last night or a couple of hours ago really should I say and how do you feel about it? Oh, well <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence about it to be honest. I I think when we look back at the end of the season, it might be the point that we go, that's the one we got out of jail in. Um, and on the other hand, I'm scratching my head to what a couple of the players have done uh, to deserve being in that team. Um, namely, the two wingers we had last night for a start. Um, I do think it was a valuable point considering that we get punished every time we tune out. Mm. Defend them defend them was terrible for the goal. Um I know I've uh, yeah, Smith uh, Smith blames Konza. I have a contrary view to that I was going I to say. I do as well, I, yeah, yeah. I blamed Courtney House for that because Well Ming, Mings was Mings was too wide. That yeah. was the start of it. So I I would have blamed both centre halves. Yeah. Before I would have even mentioned Konza. And where was the cover for the guy coming down the left hand side that Konza was trying to, to get caught in between? Mm. So, um, and that's and that's my. And sorry to to hijack there because I did ask you your opinion, but this is the thing that that kind of has me hot in the collar, hot under the collar. We played a midfield three of you know that's where our midfield three against Chelsea was superior and it was brilliant because you would have had that midfielder, whether it be John McGinn or whoever, that would have been there to catch that that uh, runner in the channel. Sorry, yeah. go on. It, it's it's uh, it's just no, that, that's, that's exactly it. That's, frustration. 
that's well um, I, I would say it's the fine line between us conceding and not conceding but we wouldn't have mixed it up if we didn't concede and we wouldn't have probably scored a goal anyway and we'd be looking at another nil all draw um, and on a plus point of view we've got two points out of the first three games while the teams around us have, haven't picked up any points yeah. so if we keep going the way we are we'll, we'll eventually overtake them but you know, they, they, some of them have got to play each other, so we need we need to get a win, and I, I just don't see where it's going to come from in the short term, considering the the three, you know, heavyweights that we've got to play in the next three games. So I think it's a missed opportunity. I think if we'd have gone well, don't get me wrong, I've say gone for a little bit more. Um, I thought we were better for the first twenty minutes. I thought I thought we looked more attacking, albeit. Trezeguet looked like he hadn't played a game in about two years. Um, you know, Jeez, he's off the poor, he's so we talk naive. about the goal that Chelsea scored, um, Pulisic scored on Sunday. Trezeguet, the exact same chance. And just yeah. like you said, 99 times out of 100, that goes over the bar. And if it was going to be Trezeguet, it was going over the bar. But if you look back to the semi-final against, uh, against uh, Leicester, Leicester, he sticks that in the bottom corner and he's, he's on fire. He's, he's just totally off the pace. He's, he, he gave the ball away too much. El Ghazi was anonymous as well. Very disappointed. I think McGinn is going to take a bit more time to get into it. I thought Jack was more involved. I thought Douglas Louise was fantastic again. Mm. Um, but like, all in all, it was a better performance. But the manner in which we gave away the goal just has me absolutely baffled. And it just, like you, you cannot tune out at any stage in a Premier League game or you're going to be punished. And if you're, if you're not if you're not punished, you know it'll be a bad mistake that uh, you know that doesn't punish you, um, as in an easy miss which which we've had over the last three games as well. So, um, I don't know I don't know where we go from here. Um, I don't I don't know how we can mix it up anymore to please people. Uh, we had the two up top by the end. I thought I thought uh, Keenan did quite well at holding up the ball and bringing Jack into play when he came on, um, but. Like I mean, we've got players. He, he hasn't he hasn't trusted Vasilev to come in there yet. The two wingers that he has are doing absolutely nothing. Um, Borja Baston hasn't got a look in in the three games. I'm not uh, going yeah. to argue too much with that either. I, I don't think that Bor- Borja Baston was. I, I think Dean Smith arrived on him and like found out on Twitter as much the same as we did about somebody mm. like Baston. I think he was. I think he was 100% Suso. Looked through his contacts book and his phone and went, We need a striker. Fuck it, I'll this sign This him. one will do. This this yeah. guy couldn't couldn't get a game for Swansea. In the championship, suddenly, yeah. suddenly our uh, our saviour we're having no striker in the in the Premier League. So um no, I can't get my head around it. I I, I would have surely thought he would have give, given Hotter a bit more of an opportunity than El Ghazi and albeit a different type of player. Um but other than that, we, we don't have too many options to, to mix it up unless he goes about bringing in the likes of Louis Barry, which, um, you know, people are saying, oh, he's too young, he's too young. Wayne Rooney wasn't too young when he was thrown yeah. into that Everton team. Michael Owen wasn't too young when he was thrown into that Liverpool team. If they're good enough, they're old enough as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, if, if all else fails, we've got to look at something different. And, and to me, that would be the something different that would, would catch people out. Exactly. I, I could see us. I could see us reverting back to to uh, our Chelsea tactics at the weekend. 
I'd have no problem with that if we got a draw out of it. Like we're yeah. in a net pot. That's the and I agree with ninety nine percent of what you said there. Um, you mentioned there that you don't know where where we can go from here to mix things up. And and I'm I'm a small bit. Um, I think we've proven. I think what we spoke about in the pre match preamble that we had for this was proven to be true. And this is not a case of I told you so or anything like that. But it's a case of how this team performs better the way that it's set up. I think Smith has stumbled upon it in the last 15 to 20 minutes of, of that game. Um, against Wolves, and we'll go into that in a moment, but, but against Wolves, if we, if we come out of it with a draw, we're, we're at the moment, we're at a net positive. You know, if you take this on a on a um, a sliding scale of where we are amongst our peers and con- considering our peers at the bottom six teams, we are the net positive to any other team that are there. Uh, Watford haven't won a game; have only one point, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, from the yeah. games that they have had since they came back. Brighton, of course, have had have had four. That's you know there, but I, I consider them out of this at the moment. Um, so we're talking Watford, West Ham, bottom five. Watford, West Ham, and us three in the bottom four. Bottom, and us in the bottom three, should I say. We're at a net positive of two points. We've gotten, basically what we've done is we've come around the bend and we have caught up with the two boys in front of us. We're on level points. We're two goals. This is, this is, the, this is the big thing for me as well. We're two goals behind Bournemouth now. We started off before this at four or five, I think. And we started off before, <laughs> uh, before COVID came back nearly nine goals off uh, West Ham. We're four off West Ham now. We're two off Bournemouth. That's a huge consideration to take into this as well. These points and that point that we picked up last night in the cold lighted day, um, a couple of hours after the game, I'm a bit more, um, I suppose, I'm frustrated at how we played. I'm frustrated at how, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it in a crass way, but I'm frustrated at how shit El Ghazi and Trezeguet were. They were clearly the worst players in the field, closely followed by John McGinn at times. But yeah. I, you can understand from McGinn. You know? I can understand from McGinn too because it, it's not going. It's not going to be a quick fix with him. He's going to. He's going to struggle yeah. to get back up to the, the pace of it again. A hundred percent. And and, and but, this is the other two it's casting just, it's just baffling me. This is me casting doubt on John McGinn at all because I still want him to play in there. He gets around the field. I'm just kind of frustrated that he he only twenty two touches again. The second, the third least who. Actually, to be honest with you, Trezeguet, or Trezeguet only had 14 touches and Algazi had only 19 touches. But McGinn had 22 touches of the ball and he gave the ball away four times. So if you're giving away the ball roughly about 20% of the time, times that you have it, that's just lack of sharpness, lack of pace and so on. And I actually thought Mavericks and the Camber did well when he came on. But that's not to vilify McGinn. The other two guys, I'm, I'm firmly in the, in the, in the, the camp of... There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of professional footballers with the same makeup, outset, uh, physical traits as uh, Mohamed Tre- as uh, Trezeguet and um, and El Ghazi. Scouts pick them up left, right, and centre because they've got physical attributes. El Ghazi, in his in, in El Ghazi's instance, he's got the same body makeup more or less as Cristiano Ronaldo, but he's got the mental capacity and the, the mental IQ for the game of somebody like he's 25 years of age he's got two two caps for for the dutch team playing in this aston villa system he cannot figure that out whatever is wrong he cannot figure out the basic positioning points the basic places of where you're supposed to stand when you're in defense and where you're supposed to go he gets sucked inside from from a defensive point of view unbelievably 
unbelievably um, easily. He is a liability, and I would like genuinely. I'm never usually this this in on on players, but I cannot see how you start him in this system. He's he's he has to be done for the for the next couple of games because he is a liability. Um, Trezeguet, first three minutes, Trezeguet passed the ball to to Sam Maximum twice, uh, thinking he was our player. He gave away the ball in the halfway line. He gave away a free. Within the first three minutes, you could see his head was down. He he's flustered because he feels he has to do everything at once. Um, and he's a kind of a player who gives maximum effort. If you were to combine actually the two of them, if you were to combine the effort of Trezeguet and the physical stature and, and the latent speed and, and, and the, the good points of El Ghazi, you'd have a really good player. But when you separate the two of them out and you put them in the same team, last night we were showing that they were consistently the reason why, why, uh, why things were breaking down. They weren't in, well, El Ghazi wasn't in position for any defensive duty at so, whatsoever last night. And I know he was, I don't even think he was on the field when, when we conceded the goal. Actually, I think he was, but he wasn't the fault for that. But God, he's frustrating. He's so frustrating to see. But uh, that that's what gave me kind of the, the nasty taste in my mouth after the game. The positives, as I say, is that we spoke about the, in the preview of this game. We spoke about maybe playing Connor, Connor Horan um, wide left or maybe even bring him into midfield and playing him, playing him uh, as a left midfielder. And El Mahamadi, we spoke about maybe even bringing him in to offer protection. When they brought the two of those guys on, we, had, we seemed to have a, have a go at it. Like, Conor Huron had 26 touches. And he was only on, what, 14 minutes? And McGinn was on 28 or 78 minutes? 70, 76 minutes, he had 22 touches. Albeit a few of them were corners. One of them was a corner, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like what I'm saying here is that like even the Camber came on, I thought he offered a bit of impetus to our to our play. I thought he actually played really well and he, he did a lot of work and got around the field in his short period of time. So I'm gonna come back exactly to what I mentioned before the Sheffield United game. What El Ghazi and what Trezeguet are to me are they, they don't seem to be players that can start the game and feel their way into a game. I'm gonna say it again, they're change of pace players. They're players that you bring on maybe when we are playing a, a Crystal Palace or something like that. It's nil all. We've had the upper hand. We bring them on to change the pace of the game. But we're, they're not the players that I think that I would start against, um, against Wolves at the weekend because the frailties that they have would be picked apart by their wingers and their fullbacks at, at the weekend. Yeah. Um, I, as I said, I think we'll revert to what we did against Chelsea for Wolves which will frustrate us even more. I know it will. But uh, I think for now, we've got to protect the goal difference. Mm-hmm. If we're going to lose against Wolves, let it be 1-0 and not 4-0. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll be as bad as losing twice if we, if we do that, after all the hard work we've done. Um, albeit Wolves weren't great last night. They, they only ground out a 1-0 win against Bournemouth, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So maybe... Maybe they're there for the taking. We just don't know what way it's going to pan out on some, on Saturday. Um, I'm just... This is as down as I've been since the restart. And I, I was I was fairly down after both games. Um, I felt that Sheffield United was obviously a chance missed. I thought, uh, I thought Chelsea, we were very negative and we were poor. Again, it was single errors where you just fell asleep. That cost us against Chelsea after doing so well for so long. Um, and then again last night, just 
what the two centre halves were doing being sucked in like that four players mm. like we had the cover there there was three of them coming forward versus five or six of us why the need to, to literally try and strangle was Andy Carroll into that position it was like, yeah yeah now he played well when he came on he, he did everywhere. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, there was there was two players around him. Um, it wasn't a position, or, or he wasn't like he was on more or less in the halfway line when he picked up the ball, or the throw was on the halfway line. He was maybe about fifteen yards off the halfway line, yeah. so there was no immediate danger. Yet he sucked in three or four players. But I, I did I, say I, it when I come when the, when he came on. Um, I said to the family, I said this fella is just going to score against so, us. So I know he, he always does. And Jesus, I wasn't expecting it with his first touch of the ball. I was disgusted. Mm. I can't stand him. I hate the sight of him. <laughs> but, uh, he, but you know he, what? They played him as well. They played him in the attacking midfielder role. So like he kind of bamboozled our, our defenders slightly because he was picking the ball up pretty deep at the, at the edge of the centre circle, obviously in the attacking side. And Dwight Gale was playing more or less off the left-hand wing. So they were nearly playing without a striker for, for mm. portions you know, of, of that second half when Andy Carroll came on. And it was... Look, say well, I, I know I'm not a fan of Steve Bruce's tactics, and I don't think he did anything masterful in this instance. But you know that goes to show the mental frailty of this team that there's a change made, and then there was more or less panic. It was a case of get the big guy out to mark the big guy. That kind of a situation. That's what it felt like when Mings came came out to 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 kind of uh, to accost him nearly at the at at the nearly at the halfway line. But um, yeah, look, it's. Yeah, it was a frustrating goal to give away. It's a goal that teams at the bottom give away because that's why they're at the bottom. It's it's those mental lapses. Yeah. You know, the, and um, look, I, I'd be hopeful that I suppose, like the goal we got as well, I still don't even, I have no clue how it went in. <laughs> no idea. Not a clue. Uh, yeah. That goalkeeper will be sitting at home going, did I, did I temporarily turn into a ghost? Did it pass through my body? What happened? He was brutal. Oh, well, I, th- well, well I, think, I think when you... When you when you get a header down that low, it's always going to bamboozle the goalkeeper. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him too much. It was just fortuitous from us that the ball hit the ground at the at the point where he would have had to save it, and it always makes it that more difficult for a goalkeeper. But there were strange corners as well. <laughs> we scored near post, and then every corner after that was hit near post. I was like, jeez. <clears throat> There was, we did have a good chance. Courtney Collins had a good chance towards the end, and I thought that he had actually scored. Um, yeah. Ball came to him, header, and it hit the side netting. And I was up and I was ready to turn the table upside down and go through the front window and everything. Um, but uh, <laughs> alas, it wasn't to be. I do like what I do. I'm going to say I like what we're doing from corners and the fact that we're getting chances from corners, but they're not perfect chances. They're, it's, it's a hell of a lot better than it was before COVID 19. Without a yeah. shadow of a doubt, it's better than it was. Um, and our defending of corners is a hell of a lot better. What I find uh, is that, and I don't know, maybe I'm just being, being a bit pedantic on this, and maybe this is, I've actually never played center half, so I don't know if this is something that pe- maybe people will be taught. But when a corner comes in, I thought Newcastle last night were excellent at at heading the ball out into an area whereby if it fell to one of our players, he wouldn't be dangerous. Exactly. So it was almost as yeah. if they were, they, were, uh, they were deliberate in where they headed the ball out. That's, maybe that's the thing. I've never been involved in defending. Well, it's the but, first thing. When, it, when the kids get to a certain age, when you're defending a free kick or a corner, you head it out at an angle and not straight. 
you yeah. head it out straight or someone on the edge of the box they'll get a shot in yeah. if it's at an angle chances are it'll be a lot harder to score from and it gives the keeper a better chance to readjust but mm. um, yeah they were they were solid enough um, I thought they fell apart after we scored the typical Brucey yeah. style to be honest yeah <laughs> um, I thought that if, if and, there was another five minutes in that game we ten minutes in that game I think we would have gone on to win yeah we, we probably would have I liked uh, the reason I feel that actually is, and I might as well kind of verbalize it, is when Davis came on, looked frustrated, looked up for it, looked a bit pissed off, and that's that was nice to see considering what we'd seen beforehand, the hiding out in the on the the left wing in defensive, uh, in, in in then when when playing in defense, uh, talking so far inside, whereby that you can kind of blame the left back or the right back, whoever it is, um, for uh, a winger getting a cross in. You know, I thought that, that was a bit, bit spineless. Um, but when Davis came on, what I loved about it was himself and Samata were able to intertwine. They were able to, to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Rotate between who was playing central. Um, I don't think they were playing as a two up front, much and all as people wanted it. I don't think they did, but it gave the illusion and it moved around defenders as if they were playing a two. But what you began to see was less high balls. Well, I'm not going to say less because there was some high balls went up. But when... Connor, or when Jack got the ball in midfield, they were playing low, hard balls directly at Keenan Davis's feet. He was taking them, and they were bombing on to try and take the ball again. And Jack got a couple of passes that way and got in around the edge of the area, which is his natural habitat, which is where he will he will do stuff. And there was a couple of times that you know I thought that if the if our runners were maybe a small bit more more tuned on to it or if this was the first 10 minutes of the game and we had a bit more juice in the tank um, that maybe Jack would have got away at the edge of the box as opposed to uh, where the runners were running to it was kind of almost crowding him out, out of small bit. so there was a lot of positives there as well and for me I think I'm definitely starting Keenan Davis against Wolves get him in there against their two centre halves get him to rough them up play Jack make sure that, that, that somebody gets in on Connor Cody and just kind of gets around him and makes life difficult for him because much and all as wolves as the wolves uh, faithful like to think that he is the second coming of uh, I don't know <laughs> Paul McGrath he he isn't unfortunately and he he can be got at he's a he's a converted uh, central midfielder and uh, look he has played well but I think he can be got at and I think Kevin Davis would be the man to knock him in his arse a couple of times um, and I'd like to see a start against wolves with what we finished with. And I know that's the easy way to do it and say a recency bias that, yes, look, we saw a goal from it. But if we've got Freddie Gilbert back in there and I've been a big proponent of, of playing Al-Mahamedi at right wing as opposed to even right back to give that protection because the crosses he makes are brilliant um, and the defensive ability he has is very, very good. And if we've got a Freddie Gilbert that we can maybe sub in at some stage mm-hmm. to kind of keep that fluidity going. I, essentially what I'm saying is I'm done with Al-Ghazi uh, as a winger for the rest of the year we just cannot depend on him and I can't see him scoring any goals but what way would you set up against Wolves at the weekend I know you, you mentioned about the Chelsea formation yeah, attack. Well, that's, that's what I think will happen I, I would like to see us set up the way we did last night but with a little little tweaks to it in that I would play Elmo on the right I would play Connor on the left and I would you know obviously play those a little bit deeper I'd uh, play Luis in front of the back four and then it's it's Grealish and another through the middle. So um, who that is, I don't know whether McGinn, 
I'd say he probably will play McGinn to get minutes yeah. under his belt. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, I think the week off next week will we'll do McGinn the world of good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd play I'd play Davis up front and and leave Samata to come on if if needs be. But that that's how I'd line up with with Jack kind of having a bit of a free role in, in front of that uh, midfield four. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it absolutely does. Um, it does. Uh, playing Jack centrally, I think, is paramount at this at this point. And if you have to play the two wide midfielders as opposed to wingers, so Connor uh, Connor Horan and um, and uh, Mohammadi, I think it's a no brainer. Just yeah. the structure, the stability. I'd, I'd even change has. it up further in in playing if Gilbert is back. Yes, I'd, sta- yeah. I'd start him and take Conza out of there. Yeah. Um, I don't think he did Conza any favors blaming him for the goal publicly last night. I thought that was completely out of character to blame him like that. Yeah. Um, I was I was disappointed because I felt it wasn't his fault. Fair enough. He probably should have been closer to to Gale than he was to the to, to the fella bombing down the left. Um, so for that reason, he was some way at fault. But I would blame the two centre halves before I even look at him. That's interesting that you mentioned that he should have been closer to Gale and the fella bombing on the left. Like, that's, herein lies, and look, I know I'm going to sound like I'm really sticking both feet in here and I'm twisting the dagger or whatever, whatever phrase you want to use. But if you're a right back and you don't trust what's in front of you, you're going to kind of end up in no man's land because you don't want to overexert yourself either way. If he goes to Dwight Gale, and if he's closer to Dwight Gale, maybe the ball that's played in isn't that low ball. Maybe it's a, a raking ball like was played against Chelsea. And maybe the left the, the left winger, Sir Maxim, comes in and just sticks it like Pulisic did. So Kanza was, yes, he's the last line of defence, but it's, what, it's why, he ha- why everything had shifted so far over to the left is the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the problem. So there was wide open holes. Like he was left on his own. He was isolated. He was on an island out there. And... And uh, I know the way it transpired, we can look at it and say, oh, why didn't you get, get in there quicker? But, mm. um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that I, th- I think the two center halves, I think you're right, the two center halves are too close to each other. They were, um, uh, they were too close to the left back as well. Um, yeah. We didn't have that midfielder in there, Douglas Louise. Uh, I think that might have been the only misstep. I, I'd like to see it back because I can't say for certain where he was, but if he was stuck in the melee with, uh, with Andy Carroll, then, um, then yeah. yeah, and which he was, he was actually there with the wrong side of uh, yeah, Sam Maximum. Yeah. With Sam Maxim, yeah. So if, he, he was, if he'd have got gold side, it would have freed up Hawes to, to, to drop back into that exactly. defensive hole. Exactly. So, that might be the only misstep he's had since he's yeah. came back, I think. But mind you, Sam Maximum is, is nippy too, so what, what can you do? We, all, we also had uh, a ball watcher in El Ghazi 10 yards away, which was uh, just looking at the play develop. Yep. I oh. see him there marking. He's yeah. uh, marking the right back, marking <laughs> Manquillo. That's yeah. what you do. So look, you can pick holes in it all day. It is. It's happened now, and I don't know how we prevent it happening in the future. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe not playing a centre half at right back. Yes, he's done well. I'm not. I'm not blaming him. But I think in that situation, if you've got an experienced right back, um, he's doing the talking and calling Hawes back across, whereas. He was caught between a rock and a hard place there, and possibly chose the wrong option, or just wasn't quick enough to get back into to Marshall Gale when they eventually got there. Yeah, I, I'm not. Um, I'm not as down on. Um, I'm not as down on Panza even after that goal. Uh, and I'd have no problem if he started there right back because I don't think he's really done much wrong. No, he hasn't uh, done I, much I, wrong. 
I can see the I, I can see the potential in him for certain. Um mm. because I think I think that after this year is finished <clears> when we do have uh, the opportunity, whether we're in the championship or whether we're in the in the Premier League and God willing we're in the Premier League, I think we see a massive, massive upgrade at winger. And um and we pay three at the back. I think because I think that's the way he wants to go. Um but that's for a completely other podcast. Um that's for a completely other podcast. Uh, so are you hopeful against Wolves at the weekend, Paddy? Um am I hopeful? No, I'm not because I'm 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 worried at at uh, who they who they obviously they've recruited a whole lot better and they're playing very well and you know they're still not out of um contention for Champions League. So um all of these things put together with the, the fact that they would just love to turn the screw on us mm-hmm. um, leads me to believe that, you know, we are in a, in a, a good bit of trouble here. Um, I worry for the next three games. Um, I hope Liverpool win the league before we play them next week. Um, which they will. Which, which they should do. They could they do it tonight, will. I suppose. Um, and maybe they start mixing up the team a little bit and getting fellas in to get a middle. With, the, with their last few games um, because of the next three games I think Man United is our best chance of getting uh, three points because I think there's a bit of a soft centre there mm. whether we can get at them or not with what we have I don't know but I think I think it's our best um, our best hope for, for three points in those three games and I take our, I take your hand off now for a nil all draw on Saturday Yeah when I look at this Wolves, Wolves team like I know you said they've recruited better and everything like that. And look, you can point to names. The name, the name power on the team is fantastic. You know, uh, Ruben Neves, uh, Moutinho, uh, two central midfielders. Jesus, we kill for Ruben Neves uh, in and around our buzzing in and around there with uh, with with Jack and with Louise, and even to come in and, and to you know to take McGinn's place at the moment while he's getting his way back. Um, I like my biggest thing with them is they're so reliant on Raúl Jiménez. After you t- after Jimenez, you know their next uh, biggest score, the next highest score is 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 their Hata, Diego Hata at six goals, and then after that, who comes after that? Who's the next highest scorer after Diego Hata? Adama, I don't know. <laughs> it is Matt Darty. Jesus, four goals from right back. So if you can nullify Raúl Jimenez, you have a chance. In theory, yeah. in theory, Who's you have a chance. The guy who scored against us the last day he was at Neves from outside the box. Yeah, yeah. He's he's made a habit of that. That he's going to be if we play like we did against Chelsea, he's going to be an issue because they'll have that twenty yards, twenty five yards outside the box, and and a guy capable of punishing us from that distance. Um, albeit I would imagine Douglas Louise will have a man marking job on him. Oops. I would, yeah. There's other, there's other options there to, you know, to take on yeah. long distance shots. You know, they they're they're a good side. Um, like I mean, you you probably would be only looking at one or two of our players getting into that team. In my opinion, I don't mean to be so negative about it, but that's look. They're, they're I think, in. yeah, I think I think in the striking department, Jimenez would start up there. I think that Jack, I think that McGinn would have every chance of getting into that team over somebody like yeah. Johnny or uh, I think Moutinho, you know, 
while absolutely doing super stuff in the game, but he is up in his mid mid thirties at the moment. I think you'd start either of those two, even Douglas Louise there. I think I think one or if not two of our centre halves, definitely one of our centre halves, definitely Mings, I'd say, would get into that back line. So I think it'll be a nice blend between the teams. <laughs> I think that the Wolves are they're so, they're very much a sum of the parts operation. And you even see it when you look at the at the um the the ratings for that team they're very much a sum of the parts but they do have uh, a soft belly as i say connor cody can be got at and he plays at the center uh, and he's undersized for for a central central defender in, in a yeah. back three he's undersized and that's why they are a back three because to protect him now <clears throat> will um will bolly play will size play beside him i don't know <clears throat> but it's it's going to be an interesting one like wolves i uh, like wolves have kept like six clean sheets in their last seven games so yeah. like and as I say if we can nullify him in this, if you can come out of that game with a nil-nil I'm fucking delighted like you said we're the net positive still we just are because when you look at the other teams when you look at Bournemouth and you look at West Ham because look realistically that's who we're, we're looking towards the two of those I, I don't have Watford's um, fixtures in front of me but Bournemouth on the 1st of July have Newcastle Away, they're at home to Newcastle then they're away to United at home to Spurs at home to Leicester away to Man City at home to Southampton and away to Everton I don't like their running and I don't like their running the way that they like even though we're playing bad they're playing as bad if not worse yeah, I don't like our running either no <laughs> but no, the one, no, no, the one saving grace I had a look at the, the, the next uh, the next fixtures of um the teams around us are equally as tough yeah. for, the next, West Ham for, the ne- New- for the next three games. West so, Ham of Chelsea. Like West yeah. Ham could ship four or five goals against Chelsea easily. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> now we could ship four or five goals against Wolves. I'm sure there's a, for the love of Julian Dick's podcast somewhere and they're saying the exact same thing about us um, yeah. against Wolves. But they've got Chelsea, then they're away to Newcastle, they're at home to Burnley, away to Norwich, at home to Watford, away to United, and then they're at home to us. So like they play a lot of teams around them that are fighting for stuff. For, yeah. for wins and they're also playing teams like as I say United and Chelsea as well in there so West Ham probably have the easiest run in but once again they're playing Turgid you know they really can't get anything going Jared Bourne looked I watched their game against uh, their, their last game can't remember, even remember who it was I watched maybe about 50, about, uh, 50 minutes of it and I thought yeah. that Jared Bourne just never got going in there and, and their strike force with, with Mikel Antonio leading the line up top looked very very impotent but uh Long may it stay that way because uh, you know we don't want yeah. them to start picking up goals. But I think, uh, personally, I think when when it gets to the last few games, when you're looking at the fact that West Ham have to play Norwich and Watford, mm-hmm. they're going they're going to get three points out of one of them, if not both of them. Um, <laughs> like we, we need to be in the position that we've picked up a couple of wins in there. That's it. Um, yeah. So you know we we have to target. The likes of Everton at this stage, Crystal Palace, who will probably have nothing to play for at that stage, which they probably do at the moment anyway, because they're, they're probably not going to do enough to force themselves into into um, Europa League spots. Um, but those those teams seem to be just going through the motions. Mm. Um, Sheffield United fell apart since the break. Absolutely, they don't um, even, they don't even look drilled. As I said, no, they look a shadow them. of their former selves now. 
they yeah. need to be like, yeah, they they need to have the contact time. They need to be around each other the whole time to keep that tactic going. And it's just been proven now that yeah. they've, they've they've fallen apart. They've got no fight, no no fight in them at all no. at the moment. They've lost all zip. Yeah, I could, and they're they're the type of team I can see in trouble next year. Um, and like I, I can see Wolves falling apart if the manager left at the end of the season as well. There's a whole lot that can go on there, but mm-hmm. look, Wolves. Wolves are probably the strongest of what we have, you know, this weekend for, compared to the rest. Chelsea mm. will Chelsea will probably beat West Ham, and hopefully. Yeah. I think that um, turn over. Chelsea have a lot to, to play for, thank yeah. God. And Lampard yeah. has come under pressure. Like uh, Raheem Sterling, name checked him as somebody who's fortuitous to get a get a management job, and Lampard came out and said, "Listen, you know, you do." doesn't that isn't exactly true i've done i've done put in a lot of the hard yards and i think that you know lampard has never been a man to back away from a fight in that instance as in to to prove it on the field or to prove it by by doing yeah. stuff he's not really a, a words guy and i think he's going to come out for the rest of the season and, and uh, because they're like throughout the whole year people have questioned frank lampard and, and what has he really done to get the job so um, hopefully that that leads into a bit of spitefulness from him, and he goes on and wins every game that they've got left by nine nil. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, look, all, all I can say is anything out of the game on Saturday is a bonus. As I said, if you mm-hmm. gave me nil all now, I'd take it. Obviously, we need three points. I don't know how many games off we are getting those three points mm. because that will that will unnerve those around us for the moment we've just got to sit there now and, and rely on goal difference to get us out um, it could happen it could happen very easily this weekend we just never know yeah. um, a draw this weekend could, could get us out of there and uh, you know we just need to be in a position that we're looking down at them instead of up at them and I think yeah. when that happens we may push on and surprise um, you know we'll play a little bit without fear that's, that's why I can't understand that we haven't introduced the likes of Vasilev and, and Barry. I know I'm picking on those two because we don't we don't have a whole pile coming through. Um, he's trusted Vasilev already. I don't know why he doesn't put him in at the expense of one of the two uh, fall guys, as we should call them now, because we've made them the fall guys, but they, mm. they've done nothing since their return. So, you know, throw him in there. Um I'd have no problem with them playing if if he's gonna persist in, in play those wide men. Um other than that, I d I don't know I don't know what else we can do to change. You know, we've we've seen four one, four one, we've seen four four two, you know, four three three. It's just we switch it up when we need to, we hope for the best and you know, let's say bring on Saturday and hopefully at least a point out of it. Yeah, I I think another player that that look if if we are getting to the stage where we are going blooding younger players is Tyree White. He's a Irish player. Um, yeah. he's yeah plays in left wing as well. Obviously with with uh, Vasilev and 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 Louis Barry being there. And I know that Tyree uh, Tyree Grice is uh, has actually trained with the with the first team along with Mungo Bridge and you know Christian Perslow has name checked a couple of sixteen year olds as well. They're like your man Carney, whose surname unfortunately I'm. Not able to pronounce at the moment, but there's there's a couple of players there. Like as I say, if we are to to start blooding players towards the end of the year, they're the guys I would like to see. And it's interesting because Tyreek Tyreek Wright plays right uh, left wing for for the Irish under twenty ones and um and under nineteens. 
and maybe it was something he was thinking about you know with our, our um our lackluster wing play maybe introducing some some youth there but uh, at the detriment of his job i think at the moment he it, it would be a, a massive stick to beat him with if he was to do it straight away but yeah. i think if we were fighting a i don't know i battle, don't think it can get any worse though in my opinion yeah so. yeah there is I that as well let them have it and see where we go Exactly, exactly. Well, that's going to do it. Um, as I say, we've got Wolves at the weekend. We are in a net positive. I'm going to finish the podcast on a slight po- on a on a positive note. We are in a net positive from a a points point of view. Um, you know, with regards to our competitors, we're now back on an even keel with every team. There's seven games left to go. Uh, anything can happen here. We are due a fortuitous win. We are due a a win that nobody saw coming against one of the big boys. It's been many years since that has happened. Um, the fact that we fought back from one nil down, you know, against a pretty a goal against the run of play and got a draw might be a galvanizing factor. Uh, Dean Smith looked like he had a bit of a rocket up him up his own self after the game. He looked like he had a bit of a bounce and, and was up for a fight, which is good to see, as did Jack, as did, did a lot of those players as we came back into the game. And, you know, it's easy to forget because of the, the 80 minutes plus that were poor beforehand. But well, I won't say poor, that were kind of lackluster beforehand, but we did come away with a draw. And and um, and that's that's a good thing to see. And as I say, we are back, even from a goal difference point of view, um, on almost on an even keel with our competitors in and around there. So that's going to do it for today. Uh, we have Wolves, as I mentioned, at the weekend. I am going to be hung over for the first time in about 12 weeks watching, uh, <laughs> watching Wolves. And uh, the least they could do is make my headache a lot less. Because I will, um, I would lovely, I would much, much appreciate it if that was the case. Yeah, and uh, I'm getting my first night out in, in 12 weeks on Saturday, so I'd like to be in good form going <laughs> out on Saturday. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm the same. I've got a, yeah, I've, I've got some, somewhere to go on the Saturday night as well. Um, so that would put me in good form too. But uh, I don't exactly want to be watching the game. Um, I've got a, I've got one of my final Zoom meetings on the Friday night, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn off Zoom. The only time I'll be using Zoom will be when we do this podcast, which is uh, <laughs> welcome enough at the moment. Uh, yeah. I've heard the phrase "I'm all zoomed out," and, and I kind of am at the moment. But uh, it's been uh, it's been fun, and look, we don't want to stray too far away from Zoom because we'll be back here again in six weeks' time if things go tits up. So we just don't know. But uh, yeah, as I say, Wolves at the weekend. Everybody, stay safe. Uh, do the right thing. Um, look after your neighbors, whatever else you want to do during this pandemic. Don't forget about it. And uh, here's to a great uh, day on Saturday, a nice early start to our weekend. And hopefully we get that win over that big team that we've been craving so much this week, this year, should I say. And all that's left to say in anticipation of that is up the villa. Up the villa.
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.